Welcome to the Practice Brave Podcast. I am the host, Brianna Battles, founder of Pregnancy and Postpartum Athleticism and CEO of Everyday Battles. I'm a career strength and conditioning coach, entrepreneur, mom of two wild little boys, and a lifelong athlete. I believe that athleticism does not end when motherhood begins, and this podcast is dedicated to coaching you by providing meaningful conversations, insights, and interview topics related to fitness, mindset, parenting, and of course, all the nuances of pregnancy and postpartum. From expert interviews to engaging conversations and reflections, this podcast is your trustworthy, relatable resource for learning how to practice brave through every season in your life. Welcome back to the Practice Brave Podcast. Today, I'm going to do an elaboration on a Instagram post that got a ton of engagement. It was called Practical Things Female Athletes Should Know About Their Pelvic Health. Now, my audience is not just pregnant and postpartum athletes. I get a lot of those, but really my focus is on athleticism throughout the course of our lifetime. I really care about youth athletics. I care about collegiate athletics. I care about your athleticism leading into the season before you become pregnant, postpartum, and beyond right? And if you're a female athlete, you should know about your pelvic health, how it operates, not just in the gym, but outside of the gym. And obviously there is a huge disconnect in our culture around education um, on our bodies in that way. And so I'm going to elaborate on some of the points made in this post to help clarify, answer some questions, and maybe teach you something you didn't know before, at least from the perspective of me. Like I'm a coach, my mom, I'm an athlete and I'm not a professional in all of these ways. So if you're having like very specific symptoms, I of course refer you to go or would encourage you to go seek out additional um, help and insight on your body. But these are a few things that you should know. All right. Coming in hot with this one. When you poop, make sure you use a squatty potty or use something that will help elevate your feet. What that does is it helps put your body in a position that is better for export, okay? If you are constipated or maybe uh, you have prolapse and it's like really hard for you to poop or feel like you're getting everything out, you're going to want to make sure that you're exhaling and not straining to poop and make sure that you're exhaling and rocking back and forward. And if you need to, you can even lift your arms up over your head so that you're getting a stretch. You're kind of stretching out that system, allowing for more space. Sometimes you can massage your stomach while you're in there. Um, You really want to try to let your bowels get rid of as much as possible. And sometimes it's a positional adjustment, much like exercise. So now let's go into exercise. Don't bear down when you brace for lifts. Okay, what does bearing down mean? That means when you're bracing, and you're sending a lot of intra-abdominal pressure down into your pelvic floor. It can be similar to like when you're, you're kind of trying to set into your lift. So instead of like bracing outward into say a weight bell or like towards your midline, you're somebody who tends to generate pressure down into your lower abdomen and your pelvic floor. So if you're a female athlete, there's less structural support there just in general. Like we have a vagina, an anus, there's just more there. But this is not subject to just women, I should say. Like men 
If you are somebody, you're like the three guys that are listening to this podcast episode, it's fine if that, um, but maybe your boyfriends or husbands or whoever experiences this, the guys in your gym, if they are somebody who bears down into their pelvic floor, a lot of times they will experience like sharding where, um, you know, they feel a lot of pressure in, uh, like their butthole basically and might shart. So it's like a fart and shit. This is I can't believe I'm recording a podcast about this. Life is weird, man. So that's how they'll experience it. That's obviously happened to women as well. But we also see that women who tend to send a lot of pressure downward into their pelvic floor, they are typically somebody who would experience some prolapse symptoms or incontinence. So if you're peeing coming out of the bottom of the squat, like that is something to me that would tell me that you're probably generating a lot of downward pressure into your squat and throughout that range of motion. So one thing I like to encourage all female athletes to do is like, you can still brace, you can still lift heavy and how you go about that bracing and adjustment really matter. So try to think about inhaling into your lats because that will distribute the pressure differently. It'll take it away from just the pelvic floor and distribute it slightly higher. You can also think about inhaling into the barbell. So if you're doing a back squat, for example, you want to think about like really distributing that pressure and tension into the barbell. Again, all that does is take a slightly less force away from just going down into your pelvic floor. It's going to give you a lot more support when you can learn to really distribute that pressure instead of just kind of like setting down and into your pelvic floor. So that is something I would encourage a lot of female athletes to just kind of change the how behind how you're lifting or bracing. Okay, let's talk about sex. If insertion hurts, it could be penis or otherwise. If insertion hurts, there are many things that can be done to help. This can range from pelvic floor stretches to changing positions during intimacy to simply not sucking in your stomach. And okay, so like, let's just keep it really real. It can be really hard to let your body be when you're being intimate, right? Like it is, you might be trying to suck in your stomach because, oh my God, rolls or fat or um, what it looks like. It, it can, you can be really self-conscious even in a great sexual relationship. There is still an element of being self-conscious. And a lot of times there's an attachment to like the abs, like don't touch my stomach or like this position is not good, whatever, right? There's, there's always, I should not say always, there's a lot of times <laughs> that that influences our intimacy, being self-conscious about our bodies and stomach. Well, if you are constantly sucking in your stomach when you're having sex, you're creating a lot of extra tension in your pelvic floor, and that can cause pain in certain positions angles, um, and just insertion in general, you should not experience pain during sex. If you do, I would really encourage you to reach out to a pelvic floor physical therapist and get some more insight on what kind of pain are you experiencing and what situations, things like that. If unfortunately, a lot of times, yes, go to your doctor, but I would encourage a different, um, order of operation, so to speak, for seeking help around this issue. A lot of times this gets really dismissed 
And you want to go to somebody who specializes in working with people who experience pain when they're having sex. And that can absolutely be with a pelvic floor physical therapist, not always prior to your doctor, but you might just get a little bit more hands-on quite literally help from a pelvic floor physical therapist. All right. This one seemed to spark some conversation. Don't poop with a tampon in. And look, you can poop with a tampon in, but that tends to press up against the walls. So when you are trying to poop, if there's something extra kind of pushing up against that wall for you to vacate feces, it it can just create an extra barrier, kind of literally. So if you remove the tampon, it gives that area a little bit more space to pass your bowels, right? Like to have a bowel movement. So if, again, if you struggle with constipation or any kind of straining, or maybe you don't feel like you're getting everything out, um, or even just to like manage how much downward force you're creating, because when you do poop, it is super normal to bear down. And that is not a bad thing. Like that is our pelvic floor is made to kind of give like that to truly like press into it, right? Because you're having to push out. But I also wouldn't want you to be pushing so hard now that you're kind of pushing a tampon out along with it. That's too much. So being able to remove the tampon um, can help a lot with feeling like you're getting, getting everything out and getting it out a little bit more smoothly. Whenever I record episodes like this, I'm always just, just wild, this career trajectory that I'm talking about this stuff. Okay, next point. Track your period on an app if you are not doing that already. I had, I think I've told this story probably on this podcast before, but uh, my babysitter, nanny, right-hand woman, and she was in her like early 20s. I was talking to her and she was like talking about her stomach. And I was like, oh, well, it sounds like you're ovulating. And she's like, well, how do I know that I'm ovulating? And like, look, we're not taught a lot about our bodies. But when you can start to track your cycle, you start to pick up on some of your unique tendencies, how long your cycle is. You can learn to when, like when to anticipate your period. You can kind of have some data for like, hey, why do I feel like shit right now? Why is my mood? Why am I so un, like not creative? I have no energy. Like so often it is tied to your cycle or like, man, I'm really creative. I'm really on. I have a lot of energy right now. Again, oftentimes tied to your cycle. But if you have an app, you can track to know when you're ovulating. And if you're using that as um, part of your birth control plan, it's super helpful to know. And it's not always the same for everybody. You say like, oh, like mid cycle. But what does that mean? You won't know what that means unless you are tracking your cycle. Because some cycles range from like 21 to 23 days to like 28 to like 35 days. Like there's there's a huge range there that is absolutely worth acknowledging like your unique situation. Not everybody has this 28 day cycle, but your app will help tell you some things to uh, anticipate. And I, I make notes to myself in my app where I'm like, had a lot of energy today, was super creative, like batched a ton of content, uh, like had a lot of ideas. And then I also like make notes of when I'm just in a funk and I feel like super uninspired and kind of like withdraw. And it's not always just like related to depression. Sometimes it is truly like just a big shift in energy and output where it's totally hormonal. So I like having that because it reminds me later, like this is normal and it passes. So that's, I feel like that's really helpful data to know throughout your lifetime. 
to continue on with this kind of point, your athletic potential is highest during the first two weeks of your cycle. And then it starts to gradually lower off during the second half. So if you're trying to hit a PR or you're trying to get in like some really intense training for whatever reason it might be, you are best hormonally supported during the week of your period and the week, like the week and a half or so after that as well, like leading into your ovulation period. Now that's not always something that is super commonly known or talked about. So I would absolutely recommend listening to episode 58 of this podcast with Dr. Stacy Sims. We talked about that um, a lot more extensively and you'll get more from that episode than me just mentioning it in this podcast. So definitely listen to that episode, but know like you can really leverage your training and, and understanding of your training and why you felt so good during that session and why you felt so shitty during another kind of session. Um, it really helps to sync that your training with your cycle, or at least have that data. So you can be, give yourself a lot more grace through that season. Okay. Stop squeezing or tucking your glutes when you lift and when you jump. Now this one had a lot of people super confused. Squeezing your glutes isn't necessarily bad. There's absolutely time and a place for some isometric training where you really try to like squeeze and like hold that. Cool. That's fine. What that also does is it tilts your pelvis forward. So that changes the position of your pelvic floor, where like honestly, like where the position your vagina is sitting in. So when you squeeze your glutes, you can feel your pelvis kind of shifts forward and everything else in that area kind of clenches and holds tension too. So now when I see my athletes deadlifting, they're coming up and they're at the top and they're just trying to like, Ooh, get that extra squeeze to kind of lock out. Powerlifters have to do that to make sure they get their lights. That's fine. But we're not needing to, we do not need to train that kind of range of motion because that tucks that pelvic floor in a pretty poor position, especially over time, right? We are the sum of our habits. It's not your occasional thing. It's when that becomes a tendency. Or I see a lot of people who say they're, they're squatting and I wish you guys could see me. I'm like doing all these movements right now, but so they're squatting. Say I have the barbell on my back. Sometimes you'll see them kind of like, like tuck their butt forward first, and then they go down into their squat. That's not really necessary. You don't, your glutes will work through the full range of motion without having to have this extra like squeeze at the top. Again, that's not super ideal for your pelvic health when we're trying to undo a lot of the tension that is already created when lifting. Another point for jumping. So a lot of times when people land in a box, like do a box jump and they land and they kind of like tuck their glutes, that's also where they're peeing at. Cause again, that position of the pelvic floor is changed and it can't absorb force as well when it is in an extreme, like posterior pelvic tilt position. And so, and then you're adding that muscular tension to it. And again, it just gives, there's just a lot more potential for symptoms every time you're squeezing and tucking and holding and then adding impact or really heavy load to that. And that's why with double unders, when people complain about peeing during that, a lot of times it's not like a vagina problem. It's more of a positional adjustment that we can do. Not always, but sometimes. So then I would have my athletes kind of like lean forward slightly. So I want to say like, I want your ass behind you when you jump, like get your ass behind you when you jump so that it can absorb that impact better than when you're landing. And you can feel it like 
land with your ass behind you and now try to like land it with your butt squeezed. You're going to feel a difference in that force absorption and that translates into your pelvic health. Sorry, got a little nerdy and out of breath there, but I hope you followed that. Okay. If your urine stream is super slow, you may have a tight pelvic floor that could benefit from doing some down training, which really just means some more relaxation. So I just talked to my sister about this, who she's pregnant and she's experiencing a slower urine stream. So this happens a lot in pregnancy because your pressures are shifting and changing on that system. And another example is when you have been asleep all night and it's like three in the morning, you're like, God, I kind of have to pee, but I really don't want to wake up. And so then you go back to sleep. But then by 6 a.m., you're like, oh my God, I really have to pee. So then you finally get up, you go pee, and it takes you forever to get your pee out because you've been holding for so long. Same as an airplane. You go on an airplane, you really don't want to get up, you're in the middle seat, it's awkward, you're holding your pee, you're holding your pee, you finally get to the airport. You are able to go to the bathroom and it takes you forever to pee. You're not even getting it all out. That's because your pelvic floor has been holding. It's been so tight for so long, trying to make sure that you're not going to pee your pants, that it's really hard to then like, let it go, let it go, let it go. Cause you're, you're again, like holding so much tension. Uh, an analogy I use with my sister, and I, I hope I get this right. I'm just kind of riffing here is imagine holding a dumbbell doing a bicep curl. So I have my my arm curled right now. Imagine holding that bicep curl with a 20 pound dumbbell, not crazy heavy, but like, okay, now I want you to hold it there at the top of your curl for 15 minutes. Okay. I come back 15 minutes later, set the, set the dumbbell down. You'd set it down and you'd be like, Oh God, it was really hard to let my arm down. And then what did your arm do after? it kind of curled right back up into that shortening position, right? Where that those muscles automatically want to shorten because they've been held in that position for so long. And that is what happens to the pelvic floor, especially when you're holding, generating a lot of tension, holding in your abs all the time, not going pee and just holding everything in. That's what happens is it makes it a lot harder to lengthen, a lot harder to downtrain and relax. So doing some down training exercises, which I have a video, I made a reel about that. Um, You can go check it out. Well, can really help. It's not going to like solve everything. And again, seeing a pelvic floor physical therapist can be so helpful to get a better understanding of your unique needs and situations here. I'm giving like a lot of generalizations here. So please know like it is always worth getting your unique situation checked out more thoroughly. So I hope that bicep curl analogy made sense. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. I can connect that to my vagina, which again, super weird, super weird times here. Okay. Let's talk about weight belts. You do not need to wear a weight belt for your lifts. Yes. Even you. Okay. The majority of people in general will have such a better athletic and functional output. If they can learn spinal stiffening And creating a lot of uh, tension in your core without the added demand of a weight belt. More people get injured with a weight belt. You don't want to be that person getting injured with a weight belt and you really don't need it. You will be a better athlete without it. And I know it's really hard. I I recorded um, a podcast episode with uh, Aaron Horshig of Squat University. We talked a lot about that. So I'm not really sure when this podcast is coming out, but if you haven't listened just keep an eye out for the one when I release it with Aaron, because I think you'll really enjoy that conversation. But you don't need the weight belt. You just 
don't. There are so many other options for being able to generate a lot of core strength and have that carry over well into all athletic realms. Even if you're lifting super, super heavy, you really don't need it. You will be better without it if you're trying to lift for your lifetime. Okay, if you're competing in powerlifting, Olympic weightlifting, you're going for a one rep max, maybe. But I can tell you that I was able to lift just as heavy when without a weight belt, when I like learned to just better use my core system. So the, and that was like getting older too, <laughs> that factored into it, getting older, having some babies. Um, I haven't had to use a weight belt in years and I haven't wanted to use a weight belt in years. I don't really see the, the athletic or functional carryover for me. Okay. Increase your fiber and take a probiotic. I'm not going to give like medical information on what kind of probiotic you should use. I, I, uh, I'm not sponsored by anyone who's telling me, <laughs> who's telling me, um, you know, like what exact probiotic, but talk to your doctor, talk to a registered dietitian. They can usually give you some really good recommendations, but increasing your fiber can be done in little ways throughout your day. And that will also help keep you regular so that, um, like constipation and, pelvic health symptoms go hand in hand. So if you're somebody who's kind of chronically constipated, you have a very good chance of also having some kind of pelvic health symptom. And I don't say that to be like fear mongering or anything like that. It just tends to be pretty true. So getting a hold of your constipation um, and any kind of like bowel health considerations will also help with managing the potential of pelvic health symptoms or, um, symptoms that you may currently experience. So fiber, 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 get those fruits, get those veggies, get those grains. Don't be afraid of carbs. All right. And to wrap up this episode, lift challenging loads. And it doesn't have to be loads that were challenging for you two years ago for it to constitute being like good enough or heavy enough. Just lift what is challenging enough for you today. When you do your conditioning, Make sure you're conditioning with intensity for short durations. That intensity is going to have a huge physiological carryover, huge. So you don't have to go for a six mile run in order to like have a good conditioning session there. Of course, there's a time and a place for endurance training, but you will get more bang for your overall physiological buck. (laughs) If you do short bouts of higher intensity conditioning. And then walk more often, increasing just your daily output of movement, which is honestly kind of hard to do, especially now that I live in freaking Idaho. It is cold in the winters here, and I am finding it so much harder to get like out and about and get my movement in. So do more laps around your house. If you have a treadmill, just jump on the treadmill, get outside as often as you can, bundle up if you're also in the cold weather, and just get your movement in because that helps so much with your metabolism and with your digestion. Critical. If you're constipated, move your body, okay? It honestly helps a ton. So I really hope that this episode resonated, even if it was a little weird for both of us. Um, And I want you to know these things about your body because it's not crazy. These are things that we should just kind of know. But a lot of times our moms didn't know to tell us these things because they didn't know. And their doctors aren't telling us these things. So 
you know, you just kind of get to a point where you realize there's a disconnect in what we know about our bodies, about some really normal, simple things, both for fitness and just for the functionality of our life and overall health and wellness. And I hope that this podcast helped highlight some of those things. If you enjoyed it, please leave a review. It honestly helps get this information out into the world. And I would just, I really appreciate it. Like I, sometimes I feel like I get these podcast episodes out there and I'm like, well, was it good? Did people like it? Was it helpful? I just don't know. But tell me, like if it was helpful, if you're like, oh yeah, cool. Or if you have a question, like, please, please, please tell me, share it on your platforms. Um, I'm just so grateful for the exposure that this gets because that means more people are getting the help that they may or may not have known that they needed. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Practice Brave podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and help us spread the work we are doing to improve the overall information and messaging in the fitness industry and beyond. Now, if you are pregnant and you are looking for a trustworthy exercise program to follow, I have you covered. The Pregnant Athlete Training Program is a well-rounded program for pregnancy with workouts for each week that are appropriate for your changing body. That's 36 weeks of workouts, three to four workouts each week, and tons of guidance on exercise strategy. We also have an at-home version of that program. If you are postpartum and you're looking for an exercise program to follow, the eight-week postpartum athlete training program would be a really great way to help bridge the gap between rehab and the fitness you actually want to do. From there, we have the Practice Brave Fitness Program, which is an ongoing strength conditioning program where you get new workouts each week and have a lot of guidance from myself and my co-coach, Heather Osby. This is the only way that I'm really offering ongoing coaching at this point in time. If you have ever considered becoming a certified pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coach, I would love to have you join us. Pregnancy and Postpartum Athleticism is a self-paced online certification course that will up-level your coaching skills and help connect the dots between pelvic health and long-term athletic performance, especially during pregnancy and postpartum. Become who you needed and become who your online and local community needs by becoming a certified pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coach. Thank you again for listening to the Practice Brave podcast. I appreciate you and please help me continue spreading this messaging, this information, and this work. Mm -hmm.